Hello everyone and welcome back to Front Page Dub. I am Cody Ojeda, your host. I do apologize, it's been a while since we've kind of been in your ears. We have been extremely busy over the Christmas break. I think the last time you would have heard this beautiful dynamic duo was actually on our A-League men's podcast, Matt. I don't think we've recorded together since that um episode on Christmas Eve. Now, how are you doing? Well, I can actually sympathize with the fact that you have been a very busy, busy boy because uh, Christian's about to kill me, but the uh, the common football fan stuff appears to be going really well for you. Uh, you got you had talking tillies on the agenda. Uh, you and Christian were VIPs at Unite Round at Ultra Football. An occasion I sincerely wish I was there to ask for your respective autographs, um, but sadly I couldn't be there to meet my heroes. Uh, that I've, of course, already met <laughs> before. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, you've been a busy boy and uh, and life gets in the way. Uh, so, you know, it, it, things happen and, and I'm just glad that we can we can be here and reconvene in what has really spiraled out to be a really entertaining uh, couple of rounds of football in the, in the dub. Just for um, Christian's sake, I'll circle, circle it back to FPF. I did host the A-League men's podcast two weeks in a row while Christian was living his life in America. So, yeah, look, very busy. Dropped, actually, the common football fan name. Sorry, Christian. That's all just under one name now. So you've got to share my workload here with what I do for myself. How great is that? Anyway, enough plugging me. Matt, I know you've done a fair bit yourself. You're at basically every single Perth game that they play. I am pretty slack when it comes to the games with Sydney. After your night round, I haven't been at a football match. But then again, I did get covid Part of the reason why we haven't recorded in a while. So just to catch you guys up on the speed in what's going on in mine and Matt's life. Um, it's been a very, very interesting period. We've both had our, what do you call it? Duties, I guess. And we've both been sick in that time as well, which doesn't help. And I think that was actually the reason why we started the last time. So isn't that fantastic? COVID circling around again. Make sure you look after yourself. Don't go, I don't know, licking random people's eyeballs that you don't know. I don't know how you spread it. I don't know how I got it still. Anyway, what was that? <laughs> what was that? Man, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how it transfers. I still don't know how I got it. I wasn't licking anyone's eyeballs in my defense, so I, I definitely isn't that. It's definitely don't a lot easier. Eyeballs. Don't lick eyeballs. Moral of this yeah, pod. Don't lick eyeballs. Yeah, I was going to say, even outside of COVID, just don't lick people's eyeballs. It makes people uncomfortable, or so I've heard. <laughs> anyway, we've got a special episode for you guys today. It is our, as we did last season, our A-League Women's mid-season review where I don't know if it'll be a longer episode or a shorter episode. I think we'll just work out depending on the amount of tangents we go on. We are recording on Wednesday, the 24th of January at quarter past nine, which means for us, at least in an hour and 15 minutes, the mighty Japan play football again. And that is always an occasion to watch. So that is something we're keeping in mind. And hopefully we don't go over time because Matt, your content between the Asian cup has been fantastic. And I know you won't want to miss a minute of watching one of Asia's finest teams. So we'll get into it. We are going to run through the teams in alphabetical order. Uh, give them a, a grade out of, you know, A, B, C, D, E. I believe, Matt, you did it with Christian and Jack for the A-League men's last season. We're not going to go for two and a half hours, though. I'll say that much. And um, just point out some little things that we've noticed about each A-League women's side and maybe offer a couple other opinions on the state of the league towards the end of the episode. But without further ado, we shall get into it, starting with the very top team in the competition, uh, the motherland where FPF does originate, Adelaide United. 
I, I know I said we are starting from the top in alphabetical order, but if we're looking at the ladder, unfortunately, we are starting at the bottom, which isn't great. Matt, I'm sure this is a point that you're going to agree with as well. Actually, I don't know if you'll agree with it, but it's something that I've noticed where Adelaide, look, there's been games where they've been, let, let's face it, bad. But I don't know if I'd say that they've been downright horrendous this season consistently as a football club. What, what a place to start. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember seeing flashes from, yeah, you know, Jasinewski and, and Blake and, you know, liking that that uh, a few players that I had the um, the pleasure of seeing up close for Glory last season were, were kicking on in, in some fashion. Um, if I'm honest, when there has been a lot of schedule conflicts, because there have been a lot of schedule conflicts with more important women's games or, uh, you know, men game, uh, men's games that will have more of a, a bearing on the top six and things like that, I've just straight up looked at Adelaide on the schedule and been like, no, I'm not. I'm, I might like have it on in the background while I'm having a coffee or something. <laughs> but, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not actually going to watch and pay attention to this team. <laughs> and, and you know, when you when you start feeling that way about a football team, they're probably not the most engaging to watch. We've basically just summed up our thoughts on Adelaide in what what was that seventy seconds. <laughs> it's kind it's of an, brutal. It's, an, it's a it's an E minus for me, right? Because we already it's, it's a what? Into it. It's an E minus. I thought you said B minus. I was like, what? <laughs> no, not quite. Um, but look, there's a few things going into it where I can actually see like the tiniest spark going forward, which is why it's not an F. I think we knew going into it that their squad was decimated, right? When I personally asked Adrian when uh, Adelaide were in Perth about the the recruitment of the squad and. Who's there to pick up on? He he admitted, you know, it's something that that is a work in progress, right? And you'd be stupid to look at that team and think anything and anything otherwise. They're producing really good young talent. You know, there's a, a sprinkle of talent uh, in in the team and in the setup and in the program, uh, and probably through the depth of South Australian football, simply on the basis that it's South Australian football and they love producing players, right? Um, so, yeah, I, there's there's a sign of something that can spark and. And they're not the type of really bad bottom side where, uh, you know, you're going to watch them and know that they're not going to be very entertaining. They actually have, they can turn it on in games, even games where they're down by a few goals. And uh, and they're not a side that, you know, you sort of want to be up against when they're on form. But being on said form has been so few and far between. And I know it, it sounds like a cliche, but it literally is true. Seeing the the bigger and better players in that side step up has been really sparse, and and that's just the issue. That's why you know, as I said, you, you see there's an uh, Adelaide home game on it at you know Marsden, and you're just like, oh sorry, whatever that venue's called, and you're just like, no, nah, I'm not I'm not doing it this afternoon. Sorry, <laughs> sorry guys. Idea, <laughs> that's um that's a harsh way to put it. Look, I think if there's a way that I can kind of sum up Adelaide, if you look at it in the context of this season, they probably have been the worst team. There's been flashes of brilliance, but I know you mentioned it yourself with players like Alani Anshevsky, um, Mariah Lee, someone that I think has caught my eye a little bit this season as well. I do really, really enjoy watching Nanano Sasaki play football. I think she's an absolute delight to watch. But considering there are remnants of their 2021-22 team, I would probably expect a little bit better. In the context of this season, last place right now, I think they do kind of deserve to be. But if you look at kind of the teams that we've had in the last couple of seasons in this league, 
you can't say that they're worse than the Wanderers in 2021-22 who didn't finish last. Uh, Wellington Phoenix in either of the last two seasons were, let's be real, kind of bad. Even some of the Newcastle Jet sides we've seen in the last couple of years. If you put them in a competition two, three, in any of the last two, three seasons, they definitely don't finish last. Unfortunately, the gap between the top and the bottom teams, I think the quality this season is really kind of squeezed up. I wouldn't say we've got better teams than we've had in previous years, but we definitely don't have worse teams. For me, it's a D minus. I, I don't think, I'm not going to put them as low as an I'm not getting that close to an F because I think there's games, there's the games where they've been unlucky as well. You look at even the weekend that's just gone past, you had, they went ahead against Western United. If they get points out of that game, that's a brilliant result for them. The goal after the game was confirmed to should have been stood, should have been allowed. Moments like that don't go your way. It does reflect poorly on your season. And look, you look at this five years back, you're not going to remember, oh, we came last because of this one result. There have been games where Adelaide have just very well been out of it. But you go even the Canberra the week before, they played well, they started off really well, came out in the second half, got themselves ahead. Michelle Heyman went beast mode, what can you do? Last week, you have that at refereeing incident. There are moments, there are things that do feel like they're going against Adelaide this season, but look, to a certain extent, you make your own luck. That's why I probably say they, you know, last place at the moment is probably deserved for them. So look, for me, D minus, not going as harsh as you, Matt. You got anything else you want to add on Adelaide? Uh, yeah, uh, it's Marden, Marden Sports Complex. Why, why has that name just completely left my brain? Well, I think they've used Service <laughs> FM a bit as well this season. Yeah, because they've because they've moved to Jebus Cross. I just have not thought about that stadium in a long time, and I got the name wrong. <laughs> Added an S. There's no S. There's no S. It's Martin. Anyway, oh, yeah. Uh, who's next? Uh, we've got Brisbane Raw. So, okay. for me, it's probably been the two worst teams of the season, even if the latter hasn't reflected it. So, great start to the podcast. You know, two of the sides that have probably been... Yeah, look, like I said, probably the worst teams in the competition this season. And Brisbane Raw, I think they're kind of just bouncing off the fact that they had a really strong start to the season. They won their two opening games against sides like Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC. Everything's looking good. You have a few draws in there. They definitely have, results-wise, it's probably only been a couple of games where they've really been decimated. But for how they started, getting rid of Gareth McPherson, bringing in Alex Smith, which... I was excited for. I think I even spoke to you about it. I said, this is someone that Riley Dobson mentioned on the podcast with us. That could be a really good appointment. I'll be honest, I haven't seen a whole lot from him. I haven't seen a whole lot from Brisbane Raw since he's come in. That suggests that he's going to be an improvement on this team. You know, they've made a couple of signings as well since De- uh, Deborah Andela Harp's come in. I don't know if she's necessarily added anything to the team, although she is individually a good player, but it's, it's just been a really weird one. You know, you can start. It's a, a team coming into the season where they do look kind of mid-table, good push for finals, have a really good start to the season, and now things have really just fallen apart. And I'm, I guess people will point to the Newcastle Jets game recently where they did have a red card that was overturned following the match. You know, that doesn't happen in the game. You never know how that result sees out. But just in general, they do look a little bit bland. They don't look as exciting as they did to start the season. And when you've got players in there like Mia Corbin, like uh, Silkowitz, um, even if she's in goals, may not be the most eye-catching player, but they're a decent side on paper. But for some reason, once they get on a football field, it just doesn't look overly great. I think you can point to a few things. Um, my preseason comments on them and what I'd thought of where they were at is 
I don't want to say it's ringing true. I just I just think that there were certain parts of it that were vindicated. And um, sorry, I'll, I'll let you finish your point. But I remember like we were debating it like back and forth for a little bit. I said Brisbane would make the top six over Perth, and you were looking at me going, "What the fuck? Why do you think that?" Who's ringing true now? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, but look, I just everything about that club at the moment, for very obvious reasons, is is giving me the ick. Um, and you don't you don't really need to look any further than the replacement for Gareth McPherson for Alex Smith. Now, Alex, again, I always I always tend to get a completely different view of a club after speaking to their manager, speaking to Alex Smith. Obviously saw Brisbane in a slightly better light, obviously not feeling as harsh on them as what you are, but understand that again, um, you know, there is there is something that's kind of in the way that'll stop them, that'll stunt their progress. And uh and I think that it's just an upper management thing. I don't think they're in it as much as other clubs in the competition are, and that's that's okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with being a, a battling team. Um, and there's nothing wrong with, again, you know, a lot of the better names in that team stepping up. But I guess the thing that concerns me is when we talk about Della Hart, when we're talking about Mir Corbin, you know, we're talking about like veterans and foreign players. We're not, we're not talking about anything exciting coming out of Brisbane. Stark contrast to when they went to an O at the start of the season and everyone was just like, look at, look at this Brisbane team. And it's almost like Gareth McPherson's sacking came as a shock because he had built up this amazing, you know, program in this team. And and if I'm if I'm just being honest, that was never the case to begin with. Um, so I yeah I don't really get it. But again, you know, you've got you've got uh, Tamika Yallop who because of her Matilda's ties will always bring a lot of interest into Queensland as well. Um, but. I, I don't know. I just tactically with with how they can play, they can be they can set up like if a game starts out really cagey, I think you actually do get a, a really nice blend of uh, you know a bit of speed, um, uh, you know, a side that can attack in in a very sort of ferocious way. Um, but it's just the the side of that that we want to see from this Brisbane side. It's just been missing for. For too long, and and when it shows up, much like with Adelaide, it'll show up in a, in its in its very formidable way, but in in a very rare um, circumstance, and that's ultimately just why you you look at the team on paper and you can't be that excited. I think I actually have. Oh, check this out. Hold on, I've got a match sheet from the Brisbane game the other night actually sitting behind me. Yeah, no, I've just enough. watched them. Yeah, I've just watched them at the weekend. Yeah, look, I was actually going to say, like, you would have seen them. And to be fair, that's probably one, being one of their better results, although we'll get into Perth later because I think their home form, at least in my opinion, is starting to slip. But with Brisbane Raw, it's, it's a weird one. They can be a bit hot and cold. But overall, I don't think that there does, there is a very clear decline since that coaching change, which, like I said, I was excited about. I genuinely thought Alex Smith could add something to this competition. New coach, I personally had been given a good reputation from him or a good commitment of him that he could come in and actually really improve an A-League women's side. But then you look at some of the results they picked up, you know, 5-3 loss to Melbourne City, as much as Melbourne City have been a great attacking force this season. The one or draw with the Wanderers at home, as much as Wanderers have been playing well this season, they really should be, you know, games at home, they really should be making sure they're taking care of sides that were pushing mid-table, at least when Wanderers were playing that match. The 5-1 to Canberra, not a great result. 
losing at home to Western United. I remember that game. They looked extremely bland that day. Even the one all with Adelaide at Suncorp, as much as you can talk about the field conditions and stuff like that. It's, it's just been, I think the best way I can say it, it's been a fit, really mid. Like, I can't remember what you said. Some things that, um, about Brisbane gave you the ick. Was that right? I was talking, I was talking like big picture there because yeah, again, okay. I've been, no I, I've been club. consistent in my commentary for a while now that Brisbane are mediocre, but I'm actually going to do the opposite. <laughs> I'm going to talk about where they're not mediocre. All right. Let's go. Um, someone like a Jenna McCormick again, maybe, oh, is she a veteran? Ah, uh, that's sort of, but not really. Around for a while. An important player to have in that team. You mentioned Delahart. Aisha Norrie, bit of a baller, uh, you know, captain, important player to have around. Tamika Yallop, again, the veteran presence, a bit of movement there. What I was saying before about the attack, this is important. Sean Fryer can be really good. Mia Corbin, she can score some incredible goals. And they can be pretty potent. They can be good on their feet. They can be fast. They can offer all of that in one very exciting and potent package. But then there's some other names sitting around here now. I believe it was Ruby Cuthbert's debut (laughs) in the 11. So she's a bit of an anomaly. But you replace Ruby Cuthbert with, uh, in the nicest way that I can say this, basically any generic young female footballer. And it's like, yeah, okay. Uh, Okay. Ruby Cuthbert's someone that, Personally, I'll go wrap some. She was someone that I thought oh, yeah, was yeah, going yeah, to really be able to what I'm saying, what I'm saying is in, in, the the grand, in the grand picture of how good is this team, right? You can basically replace Ruby Cuthbert with any young, young talent, right? Any generic young footballer. I, I don't think I look. <laughs> she's from Perth, right? I'm not going to see. <laughs> Ruby Cuthbert? Yeah, she's from she Perth. Girl? I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. Yeah, she was. Um, Alex was talking about how good it was for her to sort of come home and, and see some family and stuff like that. But oh, anyway, I, I don't. I digress. <laughs> um, yeah, look, it, there's there's a spell there and and a spark where you can kind of see a team clicking together. But it's obviously you don't look at it like it with a with a, a Melbourne or a Sydney team and and just you know get really really amped up by it. But um, yeah, for for Brisbane, I'm actually going to be slightly nicer to them taking everything into account, taking the managerial change, taking the fact that Alex doesn't appear to be out of his depth at all um, and is actually a little bit exciting as a coach, you know, taking away from the fact that upper management, I don't think have the female program's best interest at heart. I'm just being honest, you know, spoke to Zach Anderson in preseason, have spoken to Gareth, have spoken to Alex. You know, I've, I've got enough of a picture there to, I think, confidently say that. And if anyone if anyone wants to get the pitchforks out for me, I'm sorry. I just, I don't think that the heart's in it going all the way up. Um, uh, so taking the full picture into account, I'm still willing to call it a D, if not even at stages of C minus, because I don't, I'd, like, they're not at the bottom of the table yet. And they've actually were sitting in yeah. the six for a long while. So I, I think actually a C minus might even might even be fair. Well, I was going to go with the D as well, just mainly for the fact that, you know, take you could take all things into consideration. I just don't like this decline they're on. I think they've made some – it probably comes from upper management as well. I think they have made some poor decisions. On paper, it's a quality side. They do have their moments, but I, I don't know if I'm seeing what we should be expecting from this team. So that's why I'm going to kind of put them so low. We'll move on. Uh, Central Coast, we'll start with Central Coast Mariners. I know Canberra is technically the next in alphabetical order, but I've written them the wrong day, wrong way around here. And let's face it, I want to talk about someone that's not in the bottom three quickly because 
Otherwise, we're going to start this podcast with 10 minutes of just pure depression. And that's not good. Mariners. I don't know about you. I can't remember where you said you saw the Mariners for kind of finishing this season. I was looking at kind of that eighth mark, that mid-table area. And all things considered, I'm seeing personally exactly what I expected from this Mariners team. A good football team that has its moments, but ultimately probably hasn't gelled together enough to really be a force in this competition. There's been games where they've been brilliant. There's been games where tactically Emily Husband's been been able to set herself up very, very well. But there's been games that you look at and go, okay, if maybe this is a bit more of an experienced team or if this is a bit more of an experienced club, maybe they would have done even slightly better. You know, look at the, um, even the game of the weekend, as much as Wonder is iron form, maybe a side that is a little bit more astute in what they're trying to do and maybe a little bit more experienced probably does try and find a way to at least see out a draw in that game. That's also me being picky because you look at some of the results they've gotten before that. They've gone away to Wellington Phoenix. They've taken four points out of six of Sydney FC in the space of, what, 10 days. So there is still a lot to like about them recently as well. Maybe the Perth game on New Year's Eve, they could have done a little bit better. But you look at that time period, they do, even just recently, they have been doing very, very well. It's overall still, for me, what I've kind of expected from them. But... If I'm a Mariners fan, though, and I'm sure you'll agree with this sentiment, I wouldn't be disappointed with what I've seen so far, would I? No. Um, I think I've I've had them in that sixth or seventh mark because um, I think I I recall Grady we said at the time that they're like the lowest ebb they can get they can get to in preseason was like an eighth or a ninth, and the highest would be about a third or a fourth. And we both had them basically finishing six, seven, eight. Um. That for me is yeah. It's I think it's a spot on sort of analysis. The one thing I would say is I I, I think you'll recall there was a, a video segment we did where I was banging on about players that they were going to come in and develop. And I actually really wanted to bring this up because as much as the players may have changed, you're kind of on the money with the positions. I think I think uh, you obviously have seen a coach and Emily husband who's not been in the Australian sphere before want to test a lot of things out, and I think. There was maybe one vision going. Should be in the Australian sphere, just at an NPL level. Ignore me. <laughs> you have a coach. Who- <laughs> <laughs> you have. A- you have a coach who, uh, at the very least, if we're, we're being honest, I think had a certain vision going into it, and that just sort of did morph into something else. There has been a lot of squad rotation, a lot of movement, um, and that is also natural when I think. Uh, you know, for example, you're relying on veteran players like a Kai Simon, you know, because of because of fitness levels, because of injury, because, you know, she maybe just isn't as good as she once was. I think you end up seeing a lot of that rotation. It's something that we get a lot in the male game with a lot of our, our older players as well. You just feel the need that to support them, to set the team up a certain way. You, you move things around a lot. I don't think that's an unfair shout. But what I, what I will also say with the Mariners is that uh, they're prone to a really wild game, but I think they're also a better side defensively than anyone really pictured. Is that is that fair? Yeah, it has been a game really this season that, and I'll probably I'll double-check their fixture list as well, but off the top of my head, there hasn't been a game that they've been overly outplayed in. Their biggest loss this season was a 3-0 loss to the Wanderers. Yeah. And I think that, look, as much as conceding three goals in a game isn't exactly a good thing, you even look back on that game, it was very even. Mariners actually dominated the ball. Mm. Wonder has obviously been able to go forward a little bit better, but the fact that you're dominating the ball 
copping three goals, look, obviously that's not a good thing, but it's an anomaly more than anything, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. No, case in point. And I think that there were some games where we saw them come up against certain big hitting sides. And I'm, I know the, you point out to the elephant in the room, well, the sides we expected to be big hitters haven't actually been big hitters week in week. We know, we know. But you looked at it on paper and thought that's an occasion where the Mariners will probably get slapped up given the makeup of the squad and everything else. And it just hasn't, it just hasn't happened. So that's for me where I, I kind of look at the Mariners with a, with a very, very keen eye. Um, and then, you know, we say it, we say it from a certain perspective with Adelaide where it's like on their day, they can be really good, but in the literal sense, in a, with a much better football team in the Mariners, when they are on their day, they are on their day. And, um, and that's where I think this team playing in a one-off final would, would actually be really exciting as well in the elimination final or whatever it be. Uh, Cause it would be the occasion where they could really step up and, and show their worth as well. That's for the rating, Cody. Um, They've not really exceeded expectations, have they? Um, I would say so either. They're not bad. Is it a a flat C? It's actually what I've gone for. Yeah. Really have a good train of thought. You talk about them having good moments. That game against Sydney FC is probably the biggest case in point. The fact that you've gone down two keepers, conceded a late goal, and you're still finding a way to win the match. It's, it's something special as much as <clears throat> you talk about how that game kind of went. It was a bit messy. It was a bit crazy. It was a bit chaotic. But then again, this league is a bit crazy and chaotic as well, isn't it? So look, for me, yeah, probably a flat C. Meeting expectations, not an outstanding, out, and ah, words getting mixed up. It's too late at night. Not an outstanding side, but serviceable, good. Definitely haven't not enjoyed watching them. So yeah, all things considered. Like I said before, Mariners. If I'm a Mariners fan, I'm content with what I'm being, what I, what, with what I'm being delivered from a women's team. We move on to Canberra, another low languishing team. Unfortunately, we get to the good ones soon. I promise people. But um, Canberra. I'll be honest. I look at this side, and even watching this side constantly, this isn't a second last team. This they should not be that low in the standings. The way that they've been playing. Look defensively. They probably have been one of the worst sides in the competition defensively, but they have the second best attacking record. The fact that you have the second best attacking record, you've got two players, I believe, unless my math is well off, two players this season that have both got nine goals each. No one else in the competition has that. And you're in the position that you are. It, it baffles me because I watch this side and there's games that they can be really, really, really good. But then there's games where there's just... Stupid things go against them. Maybe a couple of players at the back are underperforming, but it's it's nuts. Look, there's games as well they haven't really been able to see out. There's been a fair few draws, especially in recent weeks. You look at even Melbourne victory, the way that they were able to kind of come in late in that game and take all three points would have been disappointing for Canberra, of course. But you get moments like the night round against Adelaide where everything kind of clicks for you going forward. You're serviceable at the back, maybe not great, but you're still making sure you're not conceding too many. And then you have Heyman and Milivojevic on fire, creating everything, scoring beautiful goals. I'd maintain Milivojevic is up there with one of the best players in the competition. But the fact that you've got two of the best players in the competition and you're still where you are, and it's not like those players are underperforming, they're actually performing really, really well, it baffles me that Canberra's in the position that they are. I don't know whether or not to be smug. Copy and paste my preseason uh, comments on Canberra, except for the part where I said they were going to finish like fifth. 
It is. It's just that's Cambria United. That's who they are. Okay, <laughs> they're a team with Vesna Mania and Michelle Heyman. God knows. So look, Keep Up's about to shut down, and I really genuinely feel for a lot of the uh, Australian, you know, journo's and the Australian football community with with the closing of Keep Up. But I'm pretty sure every second day they had some sort of leading piece on Michelle Heyman. You know why? Because she's fucking worth it. She is so, so marketable as a footballer and as a human being, and rightfully so, okay? But that's the whole team. That It's just them. <laughs> and I said that, and and I'm not, I'm not begrudging the people who, who wanted to really buy into the hype with, you know, a historically very, very dedicated to female football because they're a sole female team, team, right? Like, for me, I, I get why people buy into Canberra and buy into the vision, buy into a lot of their recruitment. But I don't, look, I don't even claim to intricately know a lot about where a lot of the Canberra side have come from in their junior careers. But I just looked at the team for two seconds and was like, there's not enough talent there. There's not enough depth. Defensively, they're going to struggle. And it's it's come true in just like the most insane way possible because it, it just they're too top heavy and they so as long as they were always going to go into the season and, and go into a game like that you, you're going to be able to put four or five on a side at times you really you'll be able to play beautiful football but there's not enough throughout the eleven for you to to just be contending and for you to stay in games and for you to really be able to take it to the opposition uh and and it's just a it's just a fact i don't i don't need to be more intricate than that it's just it's just true it's funny actually you talk about the not being serviceable at the back there's 12 games obviously they've played this season they've conceded three or more in six of those mind you there's only been one game where they've actually lost by three there's been like there's been a few there's been a four three there's been a four roll there's been a three two, they they have a knack for being able to score one or two a game possibly even more, but yeah at the back look my argument when we spoke about this in preseason was you've got Chloe Lincoln who's one of the best young goalkeepers in the competition, wasn't planning on her kind of having a dip in form, which look I think she's slowly coming out of but there were games at the start of the season that let's be real she was underperforming in, Tegan Bertolucci was another one that I kind of pointed to. Probably taking a little bit longer to adapt to an A-League level than what I was personally anticipating. But you know what that happens. It's a risk you take with having such a young squad and even players like Sasha Grove, who, you know, we have seen him play well at an A-League level, still are young and still can be inconsistent. I think there's two sign two players that they really didn't replace very well this season. Grace Ma, obviously a big presence at the back as much as she's still a fairly young player, someone who's just reached 100 A-League women's games. You can be 23, 24 years old and be kind of young. If you've played 100 games, you kind of know what you're doing by then. At least you want to hope so. So losing that, and I think probably the biggest one for me was losing um, Laura Hughes. I don't, I can't remember if I've spoken about it on this podcast, but I've definitely spoken about it, whether representing myself or front page football. Someone who definitely does a great job linking defence and midfield. She's been the heartbeat of Melbourne City's team, generally one of the best midfielders in the competition this thing, this season, I believe, especially probably the best six in the competition at the moment, unless I'm missing someone blindingly obvious, but not replacing someone of that standard. Mary Stanish played is a great young player, but she's not going to do the things that Laura Hughes can do right now just yet. So there's 
that fact, that's probably been one of the biggest things holding them back because everything else for them has been fantastic. You can't say they're not a side that creates chances. You can't say they're not a side that finishes chances. They're a great team. So, mm-hmm. look, for me, I'm probably going to go with the D-plus simply because I do still enjoy watching them, but there are mm-hmm. very clear issues that need to be fixed. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. I'm just going to say that my favourite... Uh, defensively-minded player. Oh, did you even say that? She has actually bagged a few goals. I'm just having a look through the team again. Cannon Clough is someone I'd like to shout out. I think a bit of a bright spark in sort of areas of the of the pitch where they have been struggling and where they're expected to struggle. But I suppose it's, it's expected. I think she is by far and away the most experienced outfielder besides the forwards. Um, Sarah Grove as well. Yeah, great, great talent, but I don't know. Sasha I don't Grove. Know. What did I say? Sarah. Oh. <laughs> I do remember. I actually, I actually constantly kept kept making that mistake with um, was I calling? Oh, I kept calling Alana Cern Hannah Cern as well because I was getting it mixed up with Hannah Keane. Oh, Look, you did that on this show just, as well, didn't you? Last year, hey, I think you did that on this show last year. Yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what I was saying. So you know, those ones will slip out and they'll just stay there. Um. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting early onset dementia live on the podcast. I'm forgetting the names of football grounds and footballers. It's great. It's great. We'd love to see it. But no, look, I, I think, um, you know, for a, side, for a side that's in 11th, I think you're right. They're not hardly one of the worst sides to have ever been sitting in that in that position. But there's not there's not enough there for them to get through teams and get through games and even, even the games where they can show up an outscore aside. I mean, it's it's a rare phenomenon. So the rating, uh, D minus. D minus or E minus? I don't know why you keep me hearing this. D minus. <laughs> my, my hearing's going. You're getting early yeah. onset dementia. I'm getting early yeah, onset Yeah, my, my brain don't loss. work. Your ears don't work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is not a great mix. It also could just be that it's getting. Oh, I don't know about you, but it's getting late for me. It's not. It's not late. It's six forty-five. <laughs> time for you, basically. Man, you got three hours behind, man. It's still bloody daylight out there. I reckon. It probably literally is. <laughs> <laughs> I've been up a window, man. Come on. Anyway, Melbourne City. I feel like this one's actually going to be an easy thing to go through because there's nothing you can really criticize about them. There's not much narrative other than they're really, really good, which is a shame because I love talking about them. But it's a side that. We could probably sit here and just go, yeah, they're, they're fun to watch. They're great. They're like, I'll put it to you, actually. Is there anything you think they're doing wrong? Maybe you could make an argument. Hold on. I'm going to get this up again. <laughs> oh, uh, could you could you make an argument for their consistency at one point or another? No, not even. Not even. Their losses weren't close enough. Uh, yeah, don't, don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to say they had the look- period in December where they lost to Perth and drew with Mariners, but three games won before that, and yeah. three games won after. So I think you can take that as a bit of yeah. A blip. And and the Perth loss was a pretty fluky win on uh, on Perth's part as no, well. It was me, I mean, um, Millie Farrow going ham basically. Yeah, yeah, and, and also I'm just um, the more I look at this, uh, the more I just have to sit back and be really, really impressed. I mean. There was a run, so just just prior to the run you're mentioning, right? You ready? Two goals, two goals, four goals, three goals, three goals, and two of those 
Well, actually, all three of those in a row were a 2-3 win, a 2-3 win, and a 4-3 win. So, like, no matter the caliber of the opposition, um, they're able to just sort of play up to them and, and outdo them. Uh, and that's, I think, the biggest asset you could say. Even Brisbane put three past them, and they scored five. <laughs> this this side is bonkers. Um, and I think I think compared to City generations of the past, where we've looked at them and just gone, oh, they use glass. I think the ability to to mix and match, uh, you know, the the veterans and the younger players, and to just have a team that is able to just, as I said, step up for any challenge. You want a feisty low scoring game, they can they can do it. They can play on those terms. You want a bonkers high scoring game, they can obviously, as I've just stated, provide it and provide it consistently as well. To be able to back up a, a physical challenge like that consistently, whether you're playing sides like the Mariners or Canberra, you know, Brisbane. Um, but then again to to do it with, you know, Wellington who are competing up at the top. Um, you know, have they have they played Glory again? Outside of that one game, I can't recall, which is a bit embarrassing. But you no, know, they actually played Perth Glory last game of the season. In, yeah, in they're Perth. capable of capable of taking it, um, no matter the challenge, though. And you know, Masso Park won't be a problem for them at this rate. But also, just something I want to point out. I mean, Polisene has been good. Gallich is sort of re-emerging as the the sort of gun player of the of the dub again. Rebecca Torpy's been awesome. Uh, it's great to see Stoddy getting consistent minutes and, um, you know, really being, being a force uh, for the player that she was at certain times in her career. Hannah Wilkinson is always just going to be such a gun forward as well. I mean, yeah, just just really awesome consistency and girls that want to go out there and show their very best as footballers. Um, so, yeah, I don't know that you can complain. Is it rating time already? Or do you have a bit of a... Bit of I a think if there's one thing that I kind of want to point out before we get to that stage is I remember at the start of the season where we were talking about teams that had kind of started off well, teams that were right. We'll talk about the fast starters and City were obviously in that because they, what, the first three games, they had two wins and a draw. And I remember sitting here saying out of the teams that start coming out the blocks the quickest, they were the worst because that Wellington game, they grinded out. They, it was a grind. It was... On borderline terrible. Wellington probably deserves something out of that match. Canberra was a bit back and forth. I actually thought um, they'd be able to work their way into it. Then they have the draw against Western. And you think, okay, things are going to start to peter out. And then there's just this run that they're going on. As much as they were only wins by one, the Wanderers game, Wanderers probably did well to fight back into it, but City were pretty dominant. The Jets game, I can't remember too much off the top of my head, but from memory, that was one of V&E1's first games. So the fact that you're still seeing yourself out that, yeah, it was when um it was the day Holly McNamara did her ACL or got a serious injury. No, yeah, it was the day she did her ACL, sorry. Mm. Seeing yourself out in that game. And then the Sydney FC game, they came out the blocks. They were firing. They were absolutely brilliant. But if there was anything that you could probably point out as a flaw with them, it was probably trying to be consistent over 90 minutes. Now I feel like they're probably getting better in that regard. So yeah. I expect them to build as the season goes on, and that's a scary thing because I still think they've already been excellent. But for me, yeah. it's an A+. There's not much yeah. that I can really fault them with this season. Um, yeah. I, 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 I just I was thinking immediately off the top of my head, it's kind of cliche, and then I thought about it, and I actually looked, and I was looking and looking and looking and thinking, how can you not give them an A+. How can you not? It's um, It's just it's what this team has been about since they fielded a, a female squad for the first time. Um, and we bang on about it way too much, but it, it's just, it's true. 
and you're seeing it yet again. You know, whether or not they uh, they choke in the finals again will be a, a really big question. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's for another day. Yeah, look, that's for when final series actually comes around. But in the meantime, they're definitely an enjoyable watch. The other side of Melbourne, Melbourne, Vi- Melbourne Victory, a side who I personally had high expectations for this season. I didn't have high expectations for Melbourne City. I thought they'd be, like, borderline in the top four. But Melbourne Victory was someone that I thought this season would genuinely be going out to challenge Sydney FC. And in their defence, there's been periods this season where they have looked like once they get things together properly, they could genuinely be a title contender. There was a game, there was a period they went, what was it, three, six games undefeated as much as there was a period in there where it was kind of win, draw, win, draw. But now this run that they're going on, obviously it's a great win they got against Canberra on the weekend, just gone, but... They have the game where you lose 4-1 to Western United. The Wanderers loss they had, they didn't really look like pressing them at all, which, look, to be fair, Wanderers Football Park has been a tough place to go to. Somehow, the only team that's won there is Adelaide United, and they're coming last, which is a bit bewildering to me. But there's just been games where you look at Melbourne victory and go, you really should be doing better. You really should be finding a way to get three points out of this or getting a point out of this. And for a side that has the experience that they have on paper, they are a fantastic squad. Matilda's everywhere. I can't even count the amount of caps they got in their team. They got a hundred dressing goals. They really should be doing a lot better, shouldn't they? Yeah, I think they've not had the strangest decline. I think you and I both very much understand who that belongs to in this competition. But I think with victory- and What do you mean by that, sir? We'll touch on them. Okay. <laughs> if we haven't spoken about what I'm referring to, we'll touch on it, and then you'll Fair realize enough. what I'm referring to. Um, <laughs> but with this victory side, you know, I immediately sort of get the form guide out, as you do when you're doing something like this. And I'm like, well, actually, it's only just recently, we've only just recently kind of seen that, and it could easily shape up and turn around. Um, there's, and there's two factors on that. Well, the first being that, I mean, you have some freaky games in there, right? The Wanderers just casually sweeping everyone 2-0 was, became a thing. <laughs> and and uh, and Western scoring four against them. That's not actually been happening a lot lately. So I'm actually willing to kind of give them a bit of respect and be like, you know, your decline hasn't actually been that weird. You're far from crisis mode. You could easily end up being a solid third or fourth finisher again. I, like, I actually do really seriously want to take it easy. On that team. The other thing I'd say, Cody, is this is how, like, the the league is kind of in a really tricky position where teams are going to bounce up and down all around the place. Um, From ninth up to second, from ninth to second, think about this for a second, ninth to second, two wins. There's nothing. That is nothing. One thing I said about Canberra, actually, where you get a couple of wins on the board, suddenly they're fighting to be back in the six. And at Unite Round, I actually put that to Vesna Milovojevic. She said their intention is still to be in the six in the final series. So mm-hmm. Alex, Smith, Alex Smith said this as well. Alex Smith, is. Alex Smith was like, Raw, yeah, we're, we're a finals contender. Why are we not a finals contender? So if you're victory, <laughs> well, I think things must be looking still pretty cruisy, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Look, I just I look at it from the expectation the club should have. You've won two of the last three grand finals. You're a side that probably in terms of the actual regular season has underperformed in recent years. You don't want to be scraping yourselves into finals. And I look at their run coming up. You're playing Sydney FC and then you've got two away games. But uh, Brisbane, Mariners, maybe sides on paper they should be beating. But you've got... 
a bit of a tricky sequence coming up. If you're not picking up at least five to six points, you could, you know, you talk about you're not far off second. You're not far off ninth either. Yeah, but do you, I'll be honest, looking at the big picture, do you see that happening? I'd, I'd be surprised if, look, I don't want to say I'd be surprised if they'd be Sydney FC. I probably wouldn't be, but you'd, you'd be doing well to be Sydney FC this weekend. And I don't know if I see them winning both their away games. So if you're only winning one of three games, that's only three points. That still can be, I won't say disastrous, but it can peg you down a bit. I don't, I don't know. In terms of in terms of the whole picture, though, I mean, my rating would still probably be like a B minus. So I just look, maybe I'm maybe I'm being kind, but I don't actually think it's that bad. I don't I don't think the pitches is bad. It's it's it's, it's a weird one because as much as I disagree with your assessment, I don't actually disagree with any of your arguments that you put mm. forward. It's mm. it's we, we've got the same train of thought, but I think look, I'm looking at it from the perspective of. You go in with high hopes. You want to kind of every season they go into it talking about, yep, it's not just going to be if we're not going to be just a final team this year. We want to be consistent over a full season. And I don't know if they can say, look, Emily Gilnick's been in and out of the squad this season. So maybe there has been an element of injuries, but they've probably got to stop using that as, or it's got to stop being a factor in their season. It's got to stop being a factor in how it happens. So it's a club with expectation. For me, they're probably not meeting their own internal expectations. Like I can sit here, I'll say they've they're C minus for me. I reckon Melbourne Victory. If you could ask someone from the club, and they'd probably give you the same assessment. They would. They're not where they want to be, and I'm sure you'd agree with that too. Yeah, yeah. For the for the expectations of the of the fans in the club, yeah. I am also just noticing that there was the two losses to start the season. Uh, one to Brisbane. Right? That's that's a hard thing to come kind of overcome as well. Yeah, yeah, but the point I was going to make is that uh, you'd actually you could actually argue with Victory that the issue is is consistency more than anything else because that's two losses that happened in a row and three losses that happened in a row and they've got doing my maths five losses for the season. So, <laughs> so, so Cody, I mean, <laughs> and, even, and even the even their un, little undefeated period, there was a say draw, was win draw, win draw. So their consistency has definitely been an issue. Sure. Yeah, well, I think we can move on to Newcastle Jets then. That's that's victory covered. Um, I get to talk about Serena. Oh, oh yeah! <laughs> you never did. You speak to Serena Bolden when you were covering the Philippines? No. So uh, the Philippines kind of messed around with me a little bit because I came to them with a very unique and weird inquiry to start, and then I didn't end up ever showing showing up to camp when they were here, which was annoying. But I did have the pleasure of speaking to Sam Kerr about Serena Bolden, and I think that that's a far <laughs> more uh, of all the things you could speak to Sam Kerr about, it's Serena Bolden. Well, well, it's sort of like you're sat in a room with one of the biggest talents in world football, and the, you're not exactly the only member of press in the room. You need to take a unique angle. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, why not praise the opposition? And, hey, do you know what? I got, like, 300 likes on, on Twitter slash X for that, including ah, from some very famous, Famous. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, <laughs> I think I picked my tune really, really well there, all right? To be fair, you put Sam Kerr in anything. I, I say it on social media. Anytime Sam Kerr is mentioned, likes go through the roof. She's got yeah, definitely exactly. a very, very strong fan base, which you can't blame her. She's best fo- one of the best footballers on the planet. Hey, and do you know who else has a really uh, incredible fan base? Filipinos. Speaking of Filipinos, Serena Bolden plays for the Jets now. How cool is that? It, it honestly, look, she's definitely added something to this side as well. 
this is, I'm pretty sure, I'm sure you remember as well, I picked Jets to come last. They've been pleasantly surprising. I wouldn't say they've been the most surprising team this season, but I've been surprised about how well they've been able to do. They're still not overly high on the ladder. I've got to actually pull it up again. They come in eighth. So, look, you're not that far off the six either, which is Mm. crazy for me if you said that at the start of the season. I got to speak to Izzy Nino over United Round, and I've mentioned Van Egmont to her, actually. I did mention Serena Bolden, and basically my question to her was, how happy are you that she plays for you rather than against you? And obvious answer, a lot. But um, speaking about what Van Egmont was able to kind of impart on the squad, Emily, of course, and she said, you know, you have someone that comes in with the leadership and reputation in world football that she does. It's a sort of player that comes in that you kind of shut up and listen and make sure you take everything in that she says. There's a lot of young players around Newcastle Jets. That I look, I think about that experience compared to what Izzy Nino's kind of saying. There's definitely a lot of wisdom they've been able to take in. And one thing that she kind of said as well, when Van Egmont's stint was about to finish, there was a game that I, th- I can't, pretty sure it was the last game that she played. That took her off fairly early in the match. And Newcastle Jets still were still able to go on a win. And it was basically to kind of prove to themselves, okay, yeah, she's been a real asset for us, but we can still play that standard even when she's not on the pitch. So it was something I kept bringing up to you because I was trying to bait you into kind of having an opinion on it and did well to avoid it at the time. But there's clearly in fact that having even a guest player for four matches, it can genuinely improve a side season. How they go moving forward without Gary Van Egmond Look, I'd say their game match on the weekend against Sydney FC, probably a better reaction to what maybe you'd expect from them. They were still able to kind of come out and do fairly well. Look, Sydney FC is a good side. You're doing well if you're actually going to beat them 100%. But they were in that game for a long time. Sydney FC did well to kind of claw their way back into it. But that's the, the kind of reaction that you want, I guess, when you're in the situation that you are from if you're a Newcastle fan. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's crazy, right? Uh, we had a football team that was fielding Emily Van Egmond, uh, Serena Bolton, Melina Ayres, and they were just, they were as fun to watch as what they looked on paper. And for that, you just, you got to thank everyone involved at Newcastle for, for what they were able to bring to the competition, what they were able to bring to football. Uh, also, can we, can we just, can we just not, uh, we, we're not, I'm bringing this up. My lame ass segue actually just kind of worked because I sat there giggling. And you just actually continued on with the conversation. That was, of course, I was, was going fantastic. to. Serena Bolden is obviously a key part of Newcastle Jets and how they've gone. Yeah, no, I know, and I, I, I do want to talk a lot about the fact that you are seeing in real time an extremely talented footballer really just transform the way that an entire football team is viewed. I mean, I remember, and I, you know, people people could have probably pinned a lot of hopes on Molina Ayres and gone, Molina Ayres is going to bag a whole bunch of goals for Newcastle this season and be a shining light in an otherwise kind of average team. I I mean, I understand that, but with an even better player of an international standard with Serena Bolton, you're also just seeing what that experience does in the team. And you're right, a lot of the wisdom that the three of them collectively brought in playing together probably just did wonders for that team. But I'd actually make the argument with the Jets, I'd make a massive argument for the fact that the likes of Lara Gooch and Milan Hammond, Tash Pryor, you know, Lauren Allen, a lot of the talent that was kind of already just sitting around in the team has actually, you know, I don't want to say they've stepped up and gone to another level and they're amazing, but they're playing better football than they were previously. Um, you can say they stepped up. I, th- I don't think that's a bad thing to say. Well, uh, but I don't want to make it out like, oh my God, they've stepped up and they're like a really, really great, uh, amazing team. Like, well, you, all you have is um, naturally talented players that, 
adding a really high Push quality player in the middle of them has been able to kind of help yeah. lift their game a little bit. Yeah. It's not say yeah. they're bad before, it's not say they're world class now, but you're somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I would also actually argue that uh, Lara Gooch is someone that has impressed me most times I've watched her play. Tash Pryor's been a rock in defense. Like, I don't, I'm actually of the opinion that, like, that isn't even about the whole wisdom thing and the experience thing. I think some of these players have actually just really improved. Um, and and I'd like to touch on that because, yeah, we see the team, we see the effect Van Eggman had, the, the entire saga from her being spotted in Australia, the rumours about the loan coming out, to her being in the team, to her having an effect, it just kind of played out exactly as how everyone predicted it, <laughs> you know, being an effect on the team. Um, and I don't know why I found that found that really amusing, but it is it is interesting because um, the team have clearly stepped up to to a certain level. But I think the younger talent in there are becoming better footballers as well. And that's really, really cool. But I do also have to sort of peg back the praise for a second because we are still talking about the Newcastle Jets doing Newcastle Jets things. And I mean, yeah, they are still kind of average. They're sitting in eighth. Um, you know, they haven't revolutionized women's football. But again, Cody, only three points from fourth. You never know what can happen if they turn it on on their day. And, and with some of that talent in that forward line, mixed in with some of the uh, Australian talent coming through the lineup. I mean, you never know. This this could very well be a finals football team. And that's, that's for me, probably why I am looking at a C-plus turning into a B-minus if they can get into the six. Look, I've got them as, as a B-minus already, simply because I thought they were going to be a lot worse this season. And they've severely exceeded, well, not severely exceeded my expectations, but they've definitely exceeded my expectations. You've got two games at home coming up. Mariners, Wellington, it's winnable games. Two sides that are in amongst where they are sitting at the moment. So, look, could be a massive opportunity to kind of push themselves into the six. And like I said, Melbourne Victory have a tricky few games coming up. This may be Newcastle's opportunity to do something. So, definitely very interesting. But yeah, I'm going on the path of a B minus. We'll move on. Perth Glory, obviously, a side that you've gotten to see a lot of this season. I don't know if you'd say they're the surprise package of the season, but definitely someone who. Uh, much like Newcastle, probably exceeded my expectations as well. Not that I thought Perth would languish towards the bottom, but I thought they'd be a lot more mid-table than what they are. So full credit to them. There's been some players that have really been able to step up in their side. Um, Jess Cowart, uh, Millie Farrow, players that are definitely of a good quality. But um, you're definitely the Perth expert. What have you made of them this season? It is it is a crying shame that we didn't get to do this mid-season podcast actually on mid-season. Um, and it's actually a crying shame that I'm actually coming to you with bad news. Um, this team has lost its spark in a really major way. And if you've been watching them as closely as I have, a Perth-based football journalist, um, they, they, they're starting to become quite bad in certain areas. Um, this is a team that's on the verge of really fading away. Um and, uh, you know, Wellington fans would look at me and go, like, how, how dare you? Your team is still sitting in third. I get it. <laughs> Naturally, I get it. Perth and Wellington were shaping up as two really, really exciting contenders. But uh, the thing is, right, look at the style of football they were playing when some of the players in that team were a bit more of an enigma. And I, I point solely to Millie Farrow, right? When she was good off the ball, and she was providing a lot more for the likes of Grace to get forward. That was really, really working. And you'd even see a lot of the shakers and movers in the midfield, like Hannah, they 
would, would come forward into the game a bit more. They'd be a bit more of a presence. The physical style that they were playing was off the back of merely kind of sitting back. Susan Fong Song Camp has become an incredible player through the hard work of Millie Farrow. And then something weird started to happen. That away, that massive away win they had at City, Millie Farrow scored all the goals after barely being much of a contributor at all. She she inadvertently made herself a, a target player in the team. And and that actually came to Perth's detriment because she she made herself, with her incredible vision and pace and physicality, she made herself an easy target. And when Millie started getting shut down, for whatever reason, they've persisted with still trying to play a bit of a direct ball and they're not going out as wide as much, you know. Um, there, there's there's just parts of, of movement in, the, in their game that is looking borderline unnatural. Um, the influence of a lot of the younger players in the squad, I'm thinking of a George Cassidy, for example, has been completely decimated because she was playing a lot more of a supporting role. And now she's you know, now she's lobbing hoof balls up to Millie. And it's like, what what is this? What what has actually been stripped away here? What's happened? And um, and I think through their own will of being a side that was hard to predict and really fun to watch and really engaging, they kind of shot themselves in the foot. And and Alex is Alex has been rightfully slated by i'm not going to name names but certain journos in wa people more respected than me some you know who come from independent publications as well people have really started to get on alex's back hey by the way it's been three games back at Mazo park that's supposed to be a fortress we haven't scored a single goal what what's going on and it's just because what the team was has been stripped away so they're there i'm i'm I hate this because I want to be here talking about what we saw in the first five, six, seven rounds of the season where they were just an incredible football team. But six or seven rounds later, it's a very different picture. And I, I'm i fraught with danger here. I'm actually quite fearful of, of what could happen in the coming weeks, knowing the cutthroat nature of the table below second and third place. To be fair, if we were to do it, if we were to do this mid-season review on mid-season, it would have only been last week. I don't know, would your opinion, your opinions probably still would have been very similar. That This decline has been going for a little while. Uh, yeah, yeah, you might, you might have got me out there. Uh, on that no, I get what you mean, though, because there was a stage yeah. where you could talk about Perth and sit there and go, wow, they've been a really, really fantastic side. Mm. And I think if you look at everything since that win at Melbourne City, which everyone kind of sat there and went, okay, yeah, Perth are the real deal, you've scored a total of two goals since then. Both by Millie, three goals, sorry. You t- scored a total of three goals. One was an own goal, though, so you technically only scored two. Um, both by Millie Farrow. So you can see, like, when she is able to get into a game, she is clearly going to be a key player. But that Melbourne City game was the first time that she was actually getting on the score sheet. Maybe not the first time, but, like... Just remember, when they were really good, yeah, she hadn't scored any goals at all. When they really were firing... Oh, well, that was she- what I was about to mention. So she yeah. scored her first goal of the season the week before that. But you had players like Fonson Kent stepping up, Hannah Lowry was stepping up. You had other players that you could kind of lean on and work as a cohesive unit, um, Grace Jale as well. Yep. So it's actually almost similar to this problem that we see with the Matildas, where once you start relying on Sam Kerr too much, it depletes the effect that the other players can have in a side. You're looking at it in the sense that we're just trying to make sure we can get the ball to Millie Farrow. Millie Farrow scores the goals, but... You've got other players that are capable of scoring goals there too, and you're better off working as a cohesive unit rather than playing with a target player. Mm. So, look, you put someone in a system where they can contribute to that system, they're going to be a lot better than if you had that system revolve around them. I think that's 
kind of the point that yeah. we're getting at here, yeah. which I is a shame. You look at their I, I home. I would give. So sorry, sorry to no, no. interrupt. But knowing what I know about this team, right? I would actually start giving Grace the ability to come forward and be a threat as well. I will. I, I look. I, it's a little bit fraught because I know Alex is a, a tactical genius, and I really shouldn't question the guy. <laughs> My lack of knowledge, but playing two up front where you're able to balance the power and strength of someone like Grace with a Millie, you would at least in a system like that be able to psych the opponents out by giving giving a different variation of a similar kind of attacking style. So whatever goes on behind them, they're still able to constantly be able to, to press in the same way, have the same attacking threat going forward. But there's also enough versatility in that system where you can where you can sort of, you know, get balls out into weird areas, make the opponent uncomfortable. And I don't I don't know why he's reluctant to give because I mean I mean look maybe things are going on behind closed doors. Maybe she's actually just struggling with her fitness. Maybe she hates playing at, at 10 p.m. Eastern time uh, most nights at Macedonia Park. Maybe there is actually something going on with Grace and she hasn't had the impact that she's wanted to have uh, that she had at the start of the season. But I just don't understand why she's kind of been taken out of the picture as much as, as she could be in there to, to be a really important cog in the wheel. Uh, and I know Sophia, something I, I said to Alex, because I, I, I wasn't afraid to ask. Um, shout out Neil Bennett, who borderline had a fight with Alex in the in the press room. But something I pointed out was, look, you've you've actually not been afraid to tell Sophia Sakalas, who should be a, a really, really important player in this team, take a few weeks on the bench because you, you're really, you're dynamic as hell but you're struggling to get to get the full full package together. And I know he can be lethal like that, but he needs to have the inverse conversation with some of these girls. Hey, Grace, whatever's wrong, we can fix it. Let's do it right now. Whatever the hell you want the license to do, go and do it. And um, and and what he's kind of said is we're, we're trying different things. We're trying to mix the system up. You know, we want to be better, and there are certain decisions we have to make. Well, what, what are those? What are those decisions? It's just very, it's just very frustrating because this team, this team can go on and win a championship. They really could, but there's just there's a few things that that need to be ironed out. And we we should not be having a conversation about this team that's been in the top top two, top three all, the whole season. We shouldn't. That's it shouldn't be the like, all things considered. They're still coming third. Yeah, but I think if there's one thing and, you can point to, and they are my rating. Solid. My rating's going to be a B, so maybe I should shut up. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm also I'm also just. Cody, we are talking. We are talking about the Perth Glory Football Club here. They don't do things. They don't do things in a normal way. They don't do <laughs> things the easy way. Okay, I've been doing this my whole life. Okay, so you can excuse me for going doomsday on a team that's been pretty bloody solid. Yeah, look, I think defensively they've been absolutely fantastic, and I think that for me deserves a little bit of credit as well. So, look, I've gone for an A minus. They're still in a good position as much as things have been good. The last couple of weeks, you do feel like if they can get a couple of results together, things will kind of get back on track as well. I don't see them getting fallen out of the six at all. So there is that that I guess you can kind of lean on and go, okay, yeah, there's a bit of they can take solace out of something. Sydney FC. This is a side that we've kind of had a few conversations about as well. They had that period at the start of the season where they weren't really able to pick up a lot of strong results, and it probably did come from the fact that they did have a very heavy schedule, having to go to Uzbekistan, play some games over there come back, um, playing catch-up games, you've got injuries. Things definitely weren't happening in a consistent manner for them, and I'm sure everyone at the club was really frustrated. 
as much as Yurich never admitted it, you could kind of tell he was a little bit frustrated. So, um, got a great poker face, that guy, I'll give him that. But, um, even since then, I can't say that they've been the really strong super team that we've kind of been accustomed to over the last couple of years. I, in a way, feel like they've kind of stumbled their way into second place. I don't know if that's a harsh way to say it, but I don't think they've been overly excellent to get themselves there. Mm. I think they've kind of gotten themselves there just simply because mm-hmm. the way the league is, it's just a very tight competition and there is, you win one game, you can change three or four positions on a ladder. I think that's kind of the reason why they are where they are. So as much as they look good the way the ladder looks, I don't know. I think that might not be a true reflection of their season. Yeah, yeah. I think um, if if there's one game that really sums up my feelings about Sydney, it would obviously be when I was there covering them in person when they came to Perth. But what that really surmised was there was a side that, that actually was really playing some really good football in, in key areas, but actually did miss the, the full package. And it was rare to see. It was rare to see a Sydney FC women's side do that. I'm I'm going to vouch for them a little bit because I understand that you've just you've been to Uzbekistan, you've had to play catch up games, you've been playing at uncomfortable times of the week for a side that's not necessarily completely from top to bottom at a professional level. I, I'm actually willing to make concessions there, but I'm also very wary of the fact that if you remember our chat with Fiona, I think it's fair to say that. She, we were talking about a lot of really irrelevant novelty things, but when we did sort of get down to the weeds and talk about it, she was very confident. And I don't think she would espouse that same confidence in her ability uh, to be scoring goals and to be in a team that's uh, that's free scoring as much now, uh, which again, I think is is very fair as well. I think we've seen a team that, that can be really uncomfortable at times. They've had some weird losses. You know, things, things have been going on. And in that sense, they've definitely stumbled to second place. But, and I hate to say this because... It is possibly one of my favorite sayings in sport. A champion side, a champion side, play bad and find a way to win. So what does it say about the fact that Sydney FC's whole season and whatever's going on within that team doesn't look great, but they're sitting in second? No, and I wouldn't say that it's something that's going on within the team. I think there's been games where they've just been generally unlucky as well. Unlucky with injuries too. You have, speak of Fiona Watts, she doesn't look like she'll be playing again this season. Shay Connors is in a moon boot with a damaged foot. Courtney Vine's been in and out of the side this season. So you, in a way, are being stretched in a little bit. There's definitely factors out of their control that's held them back from being the best team that they could possibly be. But even then, I think there's just always expectation around Sydney FC that no matter what, they are able to kind of work their way back into things. And I guess, look, I could be being harsh. Last season, there were times where they didn't look good and then they managed to work their way back in to win the competition. It's It could be me kind of being a bit pedantic about what I expect from this team because there has been a lot that they have had to deal with this season that they may not be used to. Even looking outside, there's, you, they usually are able to keep their side relatively fit. Uh, Kirsty Fenton, for me, has been one of the best fullbacks in the competition this season. You had to go off a bit of a small period without her. And... Obviously, you're talking about not a fully professional team having to spend, what was it, eight days in Uzbekistan, come back and be playing catch-up games to make up for what you missed. So there's definitely factors that maybe they deserve a little bit of grace on. But I don't know. For me, it would, for them, it would probably still be a B-. minus. I don't think I can in good conscience, put them any higher than that, just simply because of the expectation around the club. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm actually happy to sit on that as well. B-minus sounds right to me. 
Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Uh, we'll move on to Wellington. Is this the side that you wanted to kind of point out that they had this really, really weird decline? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't cotton on to it straight away. Um, I, I, once I looked at Worlds Ahead, I was like, oh, yeah, this is who he's talking about. So I yeah. got there at the end. How is this team in ninth? It's the nature of the competition, man. You can fall yeah. from second to ninth pretty quickly. Um, Maybe more on par with, with what we were predicting in pre-season. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I think, yeah. It's funny, actually. We've I, probably seen the Wellington Fendies that we were expecting to see in the last couple of weeks in a way. With all yeah, I'd, I'd actually put down the consistency of staying at the top as um, as part of the reason as to why they may be suffering a little bit. I just don't know that there's enough experience in the team. Um, and some of the experienced heads, of course, have, have quite noticeably left. Um, the Chloe Knot thing, I don't know if we want to bring it up, but... Yeah, uh, I think under Paul Templeman, we've definitely seen like a revolution of the system. We've seen a side that is really confident. We've seen some players come out of the blocks that us here in Australia weren't expecting to to, to be really awesome players. Uh, even like a Mackenzie Barry, who's been there since season one, you know, someone that's stepped up and is really fun to watch. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say beyond that because I think um, I think maybe they've just been been humbled a bit by by uh, the nature of the beast and. One of the, the, the longest season ever in, in women's professional football, we shouldn't forget. So, yeah, I think uh, I think they're uh, I think they're doing um, uh, just a, a bit for themselves. Where you know they'll they'll learn from this and grow from this, but also then they're, they're not out of it. They could easily be finishing third or fourth in the league. Let's not forget. Um, it's it's interesting. It's like Paul Temple, that, by the way, um, not Paul Templeman. Sorry, what did I say? You said Paul Templeman. I'm actually, I'm actually, I've turned on the Japan game, so I'm actually, I'm actually distracted. Oh my we god, man! I swear to God, I swear to God. Yeah, look, we we said we'd wrap this up before the Japan game started. That's no, and actually, actually, that is pro- that's probably my favorite, my favorite uh, dementia brain moment right there. If I'm honest. <laughs> now, look, you mentioned this kind of fall from grace that they've had. It's actually probably, arguably, coincided with the fact that they are now playing a lot more away games. The start of the season, you look at that run that they had. Obviously, look, they lost at home to Melbourne City. They should have won that game. You have a run of the two games you have against Brisbane West United, both playing at home. Suddenly, you lose away to well- uh, Mariners. Then you win and have a draw with Perth and Melbourne Victor, respectively. Suddenly, you have this run of away games. They In their last six games, they've won one. And it's one of the only two games in that period that they've played at home. And what worries me for the rest of the season is you've got... The next five games for you, what to play away? If they can't sort out out their away form, I can't say they deserve to be in the six. Let's be real. They're a side. It's kind of what we expect from Wellington, I guess. They're a side that is going to be really strong at home. It's a tough place to go to, but they're going to struggle on the road. It is a young side. There are going to be deficiencies. It's going to be inconsistency. But they did look really, really good for a while, and I don't think we're seeing the same standard and caliber of team, mind you. I've mentioned that they had one away game, one home game in this period. That home game was during Unite Round. So it's actually been a little while since they've played in Wellington. And that probably mm. has been a bit to their detriment. They go back to Wellington yeah. this weekend. They play Canberra United. Maybe they can kind of fix things up there. But overall, if you want to be a serious football team, you want to be a serious top six contender, you need to be picking up points away as well. So on the road, if you're going to lose four games from four, you do it to yourself. Like I said at the start of the episode, you make your own luck. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think they're a side that, that very much was riding the wave of a lot of their momentum early on. 
and as I said, I think there's enough quality in there from the players that have proven us wrong where they can go on and spark up into something else. Uh, and I also, <laughs> I'm not sure if anyone heard that, but Cody's Wellington analysis being serenaded by the Japanese national anthem uh, was a very, very special moment. Um, if, if I that couldn't, was I couldn't hear it come through on my end, so I think you're okay. doing it right. <laughs> that, was, that was sort of blaring in my ears, and that was, I, was, I did not mean to do that. Oh but it was a God. very, very fitting, very, very fitting national anthem to be serenaded by with a very strong, uh, like... From what I, I remember mean, of it, it's, it's a bit of a downer national anthem. Anyway, not talking about yeah. Japan's <laughs> national anthem at the moment. That's not what this podcast <laughs> is about. Oh, go to the rating for Wellington. For me, it's yep. a C. Simply because I did, as my, all things considered, I still think they've done better than what a lot of people would have expected of them this season. So. Yeah, but but I don't think, I think you're looking too much at the position with that because they've still got a positive goal difference. Um, I don't, yeah. I don't think, and I think in a one-off scenario, I understand it. I say this a lot about some of these mid-fighter, mid-table teams, but um, I think in a one-off scenario, given their defensive discipline, they're a side you can't you can't mess with. Um, and if any side is going to make that trend where they kind of snap back up and have a really good revival later on, I could actually see Wellington being one of those sides with uh, with their with their energy and, and youth and influence in the team, where they really do kind of step up, um, uh, you know, for, for periods of the game. So yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not worried about Wellington, and I think I'd still actually encouragingly give them give them a B. No, that's fair enough. Look, I wouldn't disagree with it too much. I think. I do have my concerns. I think looking at what they've got up ahead as much as they could really have this nice little bounce back, they could also deplete a little bit further. It's it, it can go one way or the other. I don't I think we're not gonna see well inside is gonna stay at the level that they are. I think they're either gonna get a, a fair bit better or a fair bit worse. But we'll move on mm. to a side that's gotten a lot better than I think we were expecting this season. Where's the Sydney Wanderers? Wow. Now, every single time I've spoken, I've brought them up on the podcast, you've hammered me and you've said that you do not see anything in this side that shows that they are deserving yep. of success. Yep. I remember getting a message from you after you spoke to Robbie Hooker yep. from memory, and I do apologize, I'm going to kind of get the archives of our um, private messages out, but from memory, you've told me you asked him three questions and you went on about 10 different rants. Is that correct? Yeah, no, um, me and uh, Robbie Hooker have that in common. You'll ask us about the weather and we'll finish talking about Russian missiles. It, it, it's cool. It's fine. Like, you know, ranchers are people too. Um, but I, look, that win, the context of that win was really important because people people knew there was maybe sides of a slime going on with Perth. You had an unsuspecting Wanderers team who, again, have shown sparks of really good form. They'd stepped up in ways you hadn't provided. And... The goal that Sophie Harding scored, famously uh, drawn on a little piece of paper by me because our photographer was not at the Oh, stadium. my God, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That goal was actually a certified banger, and it was it was a bit of a turning head moment where maybe I did disrespect some of the talent in this team and maybe I've, I really didn't listen to a lot of the words of Amy Harrison when we spoke to her as well, and, and she was really – Ging up a lot of the players throughout that setup. Maybe I was a bit ignorant of it, but I actually am genuinely of the belief that, that Robbie Hooker is is the man who has made this. The reasoning as to why he was hired always going to be controversial. A lot of the things that that go on behind the scenes at the Wanderers always going to be controversial. Finger pointing should happen, and people should be held accountable. The Wanderers are not a well-run club. That is a fact. Does not mean, I mean, if 
if half of the league can be owing to receiverships and the APLs falling apart and cost cutting, but we still are able to produce good football teams on the on, on the pitch, it shouldn't ultimately matter. And I'll put my hands up. I'm sorry. I'm I'm genuinely sorry. I, I got it wrong. Um, because we do. We have a team here that are very, very good on the counter, very, very good when they can uh, attack at sides and play a, a really, really solid brand of football, a side that when they get when they start games well and when they come out with a good tempo, you you better be sorry that you were facing this Western Sydney Wanderers team. Uh, they are they are very polished and very good to watch, but I'm I've got a face full of humble pie, right? And I could just be saying it because they're in the top four, but I'm genuinely not. I've had to sit there, analyze them in person, speak to people from the club in person, for me to really be won over by that. Um, and again, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that they're title contenders or anything like that. I still think there are certain teams, uh, victory come to mind, Wellington come to mind, where I think they'll get they'll get found out by a lot of a lot of the class that's hidden within. But we have a team here that is very solid, and a team that I I, I rid off because of of scandals that I've heard about going on internally, and and that's that's not good enough for me. So yeah, I, I apologise to everyone at the Wanderers really for that. But I think we, we ought to celebrate a character like Robbie Hooker and what he's here to do. And what he what he told me uh, in his <laughs> one of the one of the most incredible press conferences I've ever sat in, um, within the the fourteen to fifteen minute chat and ramble, there was something he said about the one thing I took for granted when I came in here was that I knew that the the team had been on on hard times and. I just needed to start by appreciating everyone that's in my presence and to be absolutely blessed to be with this group of players and to be so embraced by this group of players and to hope that no matter what we went through, there was always going to be mutual respect. We were always going to reciprocate a lot of really positive feelings and a lot of encouragement about where we can drive. And, And under his stewardship, yeah, Amy wasn't talking crap. Sophie Harding has become the highest scoring wanderer ever in a season. It's not a joke. That doesn't that doesn't happen overnight, right? But it, I mean, it literally in the case of Robbie Hooker, it literally did. It did, and he and he did have a vision. And you know, the 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 thing with the thing with Amy is as well. You know, Robbie said, Robbie said that that there was respect when when he came in. I can't believe this because I never thought I would have heard about an altercation of a coach coming in from both sides, but I've actually heard from both parties. And it's crazy to me because they came in and he goes, you know what? This is your team. You're the captain. You have a lot of the say here. You influence a lot of these young names. And once they trust you, you bring bring me into the fold and we're going to do this mutually together. What did Amy say? She said, "When, when Robbie's come in here, we all respect him. We all we're all standing up for him. And he said the exact inverse of what's happened. So they're not just saying it as some sort of cliche about coming together as a team. It's literally happened before our eyes. They are they are building a unit together. And I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to be champions. As I've said, I think there are a lot of sides here that can humble them. But what they're building and where they've come from and the structure they've set in place, they can be a good team on the pitch. On the pitch. Uh and we're seeing that because they've exposed victory. Uh, at least once, they've exposed. I I realise I've just contradicted myself. They exposed Perth. They've been able to step up in in a way that's really good. 
But you get them in the back end of this season trying to hold up a lot of that, I think they will struggle. Ultimately, uh, Cody, the rating is probably at – do I do it? Do I do it? An A-? I don't know what we're going to do. I'm scared. An A-. An A-. minus. A-. minus. That's what I had. Mm. <laughs> Look, mm. I don't know if I can really add – onto it because you kind of went through everything that I was going to say. Robbie Hooker's done a fantastic job. You talk about his relationship with Amy Harrison. I really do want to get the chance to actually ask her about this because the fact that she's playing as a centre-back now, it feels mm. like she's actually been kind of rejuvenated and she's really been able to add she's something to this team. Leading, leading from the back. And you've got even team. you swapped out Alexia, Alexia Posalakis who made her name as a really, really good defender has now turned into a really good deep-lying playmaker. So it's being absolutely nice, and even little things like uh, Danica Mandos playing a little bit further forward, Crystal Rue playing a little bit further back. She's been good. It's it's been it's been very impressive, and you know, mm. for someone that's been able to make those changes in a short amount of time, maybe Wanderers needed someone to kind of come in with a fresh slate of ideas about what players should be. Someone who personally admitted that he was still trying to learn the players' names at the Wanderers fan forum. So. <laughs> All things considered, I don't think you can really complain about what he's done. The only thing that I'd probably criticise, he's used the same squad, same lineup, like three or four weeks in a row yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, there's there's a lot of uh, you get a couple injuries, you could destabilise that team. Yeah, yeah, yes, it could. Uh, I think there's a lot of discipline that's been fixed up, and that's the biggest thing. Um, they're a far more disciplined team. Um, you know, attackingly, they've gotten better than what they already were—a pretty good attacking side. Defensively, I'd say it's, it's the biggest thing. You, you build up from the back. You start with moulding everything together and, and sort of work your way forward from there. Uh, Japan lead 1-0. They've scored a penalty. Um, this this still leaves Indonesia in third, likely to be a contender with Palestine to face the Socceroos, just to give everyone an update there. But um, uh, what's... You know what we're not we doing have... this live, right? Hey? You know we're not doing this live. Like People are going to listen to this in like a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> they can they can tell us the results. Uh, anyways, um, <laughs> uh, oh well, I actually needed to make uh, formulate a, an opinion there. Sorry. Um, you you have a lot of discipline, but the reason why to go back on what I said, right? They're able to show up and take teams by surprise. Why I'm worried is, especially in the back end of the season, we're talking. So I don't know what the fixtures like when I say this. But you take the fight of a team like Wellington that has been able to put a lot of their consistency together. You put the fight of an, uh, a lot of veterans and experience in that victory team together when they crucially need points. I, I just think that that's a bad mold for a team that is relying on, like you say, a lot of that era of familiarity with what they built and how they built it. Are they going to have? Are they going to be two-dimensional? Uh, are they going to be three-dimensional? Are they even going to be able to show us something other than what they've built up from? Uh, uh, and that's that's the worry, that's the concern, and I, I think they're in to get to get really exposed by teams, which is why I sort of came to that analysis. Um, but that being said, that they did kind of show up teams in their own right, so it's there. It's there to be said about about the Wanderers. Uh, the other Western, Western United, someone who's probably another one that's been a little bit up and down this season. There was a period at the start where we were a little bit concerned about how they'd look across the season as a whole. Torcaso did end up leaving his position at the club. Cat Smith's come in. And I don't think you can say Cat Smith's done a bad job in all honesty. You know, there was still shaky periods. They did lose that game to the Wanderers just after her tenure started. But mm. overall, the last few games, look at their last five, three wins, a draw, a loss, a loss being to Sydney FC, who are generally a good football team. 
they did have that 4-1 win against Victor Isberg about the inverse from Victory's point of view. Obviously, it's not a very good result, but for Western, it's brilliant. It's fantastic. They've beaten Victory twice this season as well, so that's even better. There's, I think you look me, at how they're going this season, it's still a lot to like about this team, really. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, it was just about finding their groove back. Uh, and when you have something like Takaso, really, his heart wasn't in it. And we just have to be honest about that. I think he really, he really gave off the vibe of of someone who really wanted to to go to bigger and better places. But he also realised that he really, he really ought to put all of his eggs in that Philippines basket. And when when that happened, I mean, the team wasn't ever really going to be on the front foot. Uh, but they've they've slowly sort of turned into that Western United team from last season that we know can be really awesome uh, and and good to watch. And and then. I think that's a that's a net positive for the entire competition, uh, for us as people that sort of provide our commentary to it. But for the for the average fan as well, that this team can be firing in the way we expect them to. Um, but again, they're one of those teams where you kind of you pull the ladder out after twelve or thirteen games, and you go, "Damn, are they are they really sitting like fourth, fifth, sixth? Like I didn't actually think that they'd been that good, but they've found their way. They've found their way to get through that." And what I love, what I actually love is the fact that the mastermind between that revival is Cat Smith proving that what's going on at the Wanderers, she's still kind of built in many ways. Uh, and I think that's really interesting. And I think it sets the tone for, man, if if, if Western and the Wanderers play in an elimination final, can you imagine that? Oh, that's fine. Yeah, any fireworks. that would be pretty interesting. Considering, well, look, yeah. if the season were to finish right now, they'd be playing each other. Yeah. I, I wouldn't look at it from the sense that Cat Smith's kind of built what's at the Wanderers. I'd look at it from the sense that different coaches, different profiles fit different environments and different clubs. She's at a club now that probably suits what she wants to do and the ideas that she wants to implement. She's got a playing group that maybe is better suited to a coaching style. But we're seeing what she can do as a coach, and there, clearly there is quality there. So mm. it's good to see her thriving as well. I think that's absolutely fantastic. But... More importantly, we've got a Western side that everyone is on the same page. I wouldn't, I'm not going to go as far to say Tokaso's heart wasn't in. I think he's just, it was a case of him trying to stretch himself too thin, but thin. But yeah. either way, they're in a position now where they've got a coach that can give absolutely 100% to everything that they're trying to do. So, mm. in my opinion, the, I, I'm still taking their shaky start into this a little bit. I've given them a B. They've been serviceable. Okay. They are where I thought they'd be, but where they've done well to be there still, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I think um, I think the biggest thing for me is for all the sort of narratives that are played out for the way they've had to rebuild, for lack of a better term, um, they're kind of exactly where we would have predicted them. It's almost like nothing changed at all, uh, which is kind of kind of funny, right? Like, yeah, I don't think you'd have sat there and complained if they were fourth or fifth, and that's kind of where they are. And I don't, again, I don't think in the off season that there had been any dramatic changes or anything like that go on. I think we're still seeing a team with the exact same core that it has. You lose a couple of players like been. Sydney Cummings, play, players of that quality. Just you bring in Grace Maher. With all we're going to lose Hillary Bill, she ends up coming back anyway. Yeah. Chloe Lagarde yeah, stayed around. There, there, there really wasn't much overarching change in that side. So, yeah, I think that is probably a fair assessment. That's actually, I didn't get your grade. Uh, you said B, didn't you? Yes. I've been. I've, I, I realised that I've said this probably about six or seven times now, but it's a B minus. Man, no, that's fair enough. A little bit different. Always good. Yeah. We do like points of difference on this podcast. Mm. That is almost where we're going to end it up. Wrap it up. 
I'm just going to go through through with you quickly, Matt, because Mm. I know you didn't do it, but I have put together a team of the season so far just to kind of pay homage to those players that have done very well, at least on an individual basis this season. Mm. I just want you to assess it for me because I do want someone to bounce his ideas off. So, look, I've gone for a 4-3-3, classic, normal. Um, Mm. In goals, Morgan Aquino. I think she's been fantastic. Probably should have mentioned her in the Big Perth rant. She... um, She's brought her game to another level, and yeah. she's permanently benched Sally James. That must be a very hard thing to do. <laughs> and considering she was fighting for her own spot last season as well at times, yeah. it's definitely a great turnaround. And look, I paid homage to Perth's defensive uh, resolute self. I don't know what the word I was going to use there, but that, I'm going with that. She's a big part of that, and I think she definitely deserves a lot of credit mm-hmm. for it. Uh, left back, Kirsty Fenton, speaks for mm-hmm. itself. Best left back in the competition. When she was injured was when Sydney yep. went through their most inconsistent period. So having her back's definitely been a massive boost for them. And someone back- built, built a big part of that consistency with Sydney FC as well. Looks like, uh, sorry to keep live reacting to Asian Cup while you're going through this lineup, but it looks like Iraq haven't really set up uh, in a very attacking mindset. So don't know that they're going to clinch the nine points. Anyway. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Um, centre-back, uh, Charlotte McLean, for me, probably the best, def- at least the def- defensive centre-back in the competition yep. this season. And look, for all things that we've spoken about Sydney FC, their defence has been absolutely solid. So having two defenders in there, I think, does make sense. But I've got a partner with Amy Harrison. I don't know if that's a hot take. I would give I would give Amy Harrison the armband in an Elite 11. To be fair, I've got a question for you. Just a quick one. Mm. I don't know how much you've seen of her as a centre-back, but would you say she's the best ball-playing centre-back in the competition? I think I think she provides a really important anchor, anchor in the team that she's in. In a team with a bit more firepower in midfield, I mean, imagine, complete hypothetical, imagine you've got a Hannah Larry type in there, imagine you've got a Daniela Gallich type in there. Is her role going to be anywhere near as important or, you know, noticeable? No, I think that's the reason why she's been pushed back in this wonder side. You've got, you've got a good mm-hmm. core of midfielders, but they definitely didn't have a lot of depth at the back. But mm-hmm. even the way she's playing, she's yeah, yeah. But, but I'm saying, the I'm ball saying, and she's Cody's advancing to position. She's doing quite well at that role too. Yeah, but I'm saying as someone that's moving the ball out a lot from the back. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I guess I can I, I see what you mean in a way, but I still think she's good enough to do that role, even with quality players in front of her. Yeah, I, 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 as I said, I would literally, I'd, I'd be giving her, regardless of where she was on the pitch, I'd be giving her the armband. Fair in, enough. In she's in got the armband at Wanderers this season. She's doing well with it. Yeah. Uh, right back, Caitlin Torby, kind of just a blase A1. She's a good player, good footballer. She's done well for Melbourne City this season. Someone that's actually able to uh, really progress a lot in multiple facets of her football as well. I think she's actually shown some weirdly good good strides of attacking football as well. Yeah. Um, Midfield, Laura Hughes at the base of it, someone who I think has been underrated and absolutely fantastic this season. I have a feeling I'm going to miss one or two big names, and I do apologise. Please don't hate me in the comments. You did it. You did it on a cuff, so it's fine. Sorry, you did it on. You did it on a cuff. Oh, like I literally just wrote sort of, this like yeah. ten minutes before I went to soccer training, and it's just been yeah. sitting there since. I haven't even had time to review it and think about it. Uh, yeah, the centre mid pairing: uh, Vesna Milivojevic, Holly Caspers. Holly Caspers top assist season. Milivojevic. Just generally fantastic ball. I one of Canberra's you best. You don't actually. You just say Vesna Milivojevic, and that that that's it. Yeah. That's the sentence. <laughs> I don't need a reasoning for that. But she is fantastic baller. Um, two wingers, not out and out wingers, but they've definitely kind of pushed into wider roles the way City do set up. Daniela Galic, Rana Polisina, two two big reasons why City are doing well this season. I think that's another one that doesn't need explanation. They're just both fantastic players. Yeah. And up front, 
maybe I don't even know if this is controversial. Michelle Heyman. Yeah. Like I know I've got two Canberra players in there. It may look a bit biased, but you're talking about two of the best players in the competition, no matter how Canberra are doing. Mm-hmm. So I, look, I actually so- like how um here's a word I never thought I'd use on this podcast. I like how cosmopolitan that is, and I don't mean in like a multinational sense. I mean, and you've you've mixed it up with varying roles that players are playing in their teams. You've mixed up yeah. in the variant of teams um, that, you, that you're playing with. And but, but that's for not cities- to be fair. I don't go out of my way to do that. If I believe that the eleven best players in the competition were all at Melbourne City, I'd pick all Melbourne City You'd players. Pick all there's been a good spread. This yeah, I mean, even competition. I mean, other than City's dominance uh, out wide. Which again is fair and justified. I don't actually think it's. I don't. Like, I think. I think you've still and you've actually done your bit to, to mix things up. So I really actually appreciate. Sophie that. Harding may be unlucky to miss out, but look, uh, I still think she's she's been a bit of a late bloomer in how she's come onto the scene. I don't yeah. necessarily think when Western Sydney maybe struggled to start the season, we looked at her and thought this is someone that's going to be bagging goals for fun, right? So. And look, it's I've got a lot of because I think she's been a big part of why we're getting the output out of Harding that she is. So there are reasons yes. for that, but yes, that's that's fair enough. Anyway, that's all we have planned for today. If you've gone through that whole thing, we do really, really appreciate you, and hopefully, you enjoy hearing us more. We will be back on a consistent basis now. We'll get back into the shorts very soon as well. We can get that organised for you, but. Um, it's been a difficult period the last couple of months. We do apologise we haven't been able to be as consistent as what we'd like to be, but we're back and we're firing and we're looking forward to delivering high-quality A-League women's content. Matt, do you have anything to add that isn't Asian Cup related? Oh, I was just going to say no spoilers for Group D, everyone watching or listening from the future, but uh, no, you got me. You got me. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, bring on, bring on the next nine or so weeks in women's football, professional women's football in this country, uh, in this co- in this continent, in this region, help me, because uh, I I think we are in for maybe not the most memorable narrative in it all, molding and shaping together, but with all of the collective narratives that we've seen with the Jets, with the Wanderers, with the Phoenix, I think we're going to be in for an absolute banger of a final series, regardless of who's there, um, and and the fashion with which they make it. Because on a one-off occasion, especially those elimination finals to kick us off in 3v6 and 4v5, they are they have the potential to be some of the most memorable games of women's football, uh, women's domestic football that we've ever seen uh, in in this country. And and that that is a good note to leave the mid-season review on. I am licking my lips. Bring on February. <laughs> February, man, we, we, we'll be. The final series will go through March and April. The season doesn't finish that early anymore, man. In my head, I, I'm not joking. The future is now, old man. In my in my head, I was thinking the finals are in February and then realised it's January 24th or when we're recording this. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, man. We are delirious. This is what happens when we haven't um, been on in a while. We... Lose the rhythm a little bit, but no, we promise we know what we're talking about and we promise this is some high quality stuff, but that is where we're going to end it. Once again, thank you for listening. Check out the socials as well. Front page football, uh, Facebook and LinkedIn, front PG football on Twitter slash X threads, uh, Instagram and probably something else. TikTok. That's the one. Anyway, my name is Cody Ojeda. I've been joined by Matt Olson. Thank you and either a good afternoon or good night. Depending on where you are.